Are we going to, where are we at here? Are we, we can go ahead and dismiss the kids of worship kids style. They're ready, amen. All right. Amen. What we forget sometimes is that uh, we've been praying for our children our, as they go back to school. But also our college kids are going back to college. Uh, maybe tomorrow will probably be the one of the around here our first day back to school. And then later on for some others, uh, when, when back in the, in the primitive times, we didn't do college until mid-September. Now it's, it's starting a little bit earlier nowadays in, in this. When do you all go back? Saturday. So you got a couple more days left. So we got some times, but... Um, about 15 years ago, um, I, I got tuned in to um, some professors who write a, a yearly um, letter about the incoming freshmen in college that year. About 15 years ago was when the first time I read the, the letter, and it was explaining to other freshman college professors that you could no longer use the, the phrase, Good Samaritan. Because no child going into the freshman year of college will have any idea what you're talking about. You have to explain to them the story of the Good Samaritan because they just don't know who the Good Samaritan is or what that means to be able to take care of someone. So they had no clue. So he was allowing the, the freshman professors to know this is who you're going to go up against. Right now, the, 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 the freshman year, you know, um, they, they, they were not even were close to being born on 9-11. Um, so they, they've missed so much. So they're a completely new generation. And um, I have not read this year's. And I don't know when. I, it's hard to find. And when you find it, David might be able to tell us where to get it. But um, last year when I read it, um, it said that, you can no longer um, think or believe that the children that you are, the, not the freshmen that are going into college last year, not this year, but last year, will even know one Old Testament story. So you just cannot mention an Old Testament saint or an Old Testament story and believe that the people that you are talking to are going to even have any clue what you're talking about. They are completely illiterate of the Old Testament. So we see what's happening is that our kids do not know the stories that we think everybody knows. The kids are not familiar with the stories that we think absolutely everybody is born familiar with those stories. But we're getting to a place, even in America today, that our, the children that are going off to college are not even at the place where they can tell you who an Old Testament prophet was or where everything is. So I'm going to, we've been in the book of James and, and, and we got through that last week. And today we're starting in a book that's going to be hard for you to find, um, but Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> if anybody shuffles through the Bible here, we're in really bad shape. You know what I'm saying? Um, at the very beginning, right, is where we're going to start out 
today. Um, you said, oh no, we're going to preach through the book of Genesis. I will be 26 before we get through this. You know what I'm saying? That's not true. We're only going through 12 stories in the book of Genesis. And to be able to remind us of how important it is to do that. Um, what the beginning we want to look at is this. The four important words of today's sermon is this. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And Genesis chapter 1 is going to tell this. And something that I want to remind you of is just who we are culturally. No matter where you go, no matter where I go, maybe it's not you. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but I have a very approachable face. Um, I have no idea why God made me this way. Um, but if you're with me or you go with me anywhere, if anybody has a question or needs something, they'll ask me. If I'm in Walmart, people walk up to me and says, say, where do you find such and such at? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Well, why don't you know? Well, because I don't know. I don't have this information. Well, if you work here, you should have known this. Well, I don't work here. But I have the look of an assistant manager at Walmart. <laughs> Bless my heart. That's what I look like. Amen. I'd like to have their money, but I don't. But, um, but people I feel comfortable asking me questions. Um, we were out on vacation a couple weeks ago, and, and everywhere I would go, it gets on my wife's nerves more than anything in the world. Um, people just come up to me and start talking to me. And in, in like five minutes, we know everything about each other. We're like best friends. Like in five minutes, it's all it takes for me. Um, and somebody comes up to me, and when I, when I start talking to them, the very first thing they say is, where in the world are you from? It must be because of my manly good looks is what I'm guessing. Um, but they hear my, 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 my accent, and they're thinking I'm from East L.A., um, Lower Ashland. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm not. I'm from Kentucky. I'm from Louisa. And, um, and people always feel comfortable asking someone, where are you from? My mom has the best answer to this question than anybody I've ever met. You ask my mom where she's from, she says, Tadpole. And they're like, you're from a Tadpole? No, I'm from the Tadpole. Because she was actually raised in Tadpole. Anybody been to Tadpole? Bless every single one of your all's hearts. Amen. Bless your hearts. Um, my mom is the most famous person outside of, was you, was you born in Tadpole? Yeah. See, my mom's the most famous person ever born in Tadpole. Um, but we... In my life, anyway, um, the question in life is this Where did you come from? And I am so thankful that the whole entire world struggles with this answer, this question, and finding that answer. But God's word is completely clear. So we do not have to struggle with the question, Where do we come from? Because God laid it out for me and you as clear as we, he could possibly do that we are created by God. So when we look in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 reminds us of where we came from, of how we got here. And also it reminds us of the purpose that we're here 
and that is to bring honor and glory to the one who has created us. So in the beginning, God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Upon those first four words of the Bible is the foundation for everything we put our trust in. And it is evident that we cannot know everything about creation. I'm going to mention to you the first six days in, of creation in Genesis chapter 1. People drive me nuts constantly. Do you think those are actually 24-hour days of creation? Do you think that maybe it was a thousand years? Or do you think maybe each day was a million years? What do you think? And this is what I think, and I'm a very philosophical person, you know that. I believe if God can create the universe in a million years, and if God can create the middle the universe in a thousand years, um, and I, if I think God can create the universe in a hundred years, and I can think that God can create the universe in a day, you know what I think? I think God could have created the universe in a second. The power of God creating the universe is not something I struggle with. The time frame in which God created the universe is not something I struggle with. Why? Because I know God created the heavens and the earth. How do I know that? Thus saith the Lord. I have it written down for me. So it's not something I have to struggle with. And everybody drives me nuts with it. And I want to be honest with you. Get over yourself. Um, because people say, well, did Adam have a belly button? You know what? I don't know if you have a belly button or not, nor do I care. Right? Um, you know, I don't know. I have no clue of what happens. And what happens in, in life is, is simply this, is that Job find, found himself in a similar situation. Job lost everything. Lost his kids. He, he lost his, his health. He was covered with boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He lost his wealth. He was the richest man probably on earth and now he has lost everything. All of his livestock, his barns, he lost absolutely everything. Even his home. And he's upset. He's discouraged. But he's not lost faith. And he's complaining to God because of the decision God has made to allow these things to happen in his life. Have you ever been there before? In the situation that Job was in? Where you trust God and you know that he exists, but you think maybe he made a mistake. You think Maybe he did something in your life that he shouldn't have done, and you wish he would have done it in a different way. A lot of people of you are all given the Baptist answer like, no. That's the good Baptist answer. But the answer truly is, you've been upset at God before because of what happened in your life. And Job was mad. He didn't like the hand that he was dealt. And he was complaining. But listen to the Lord as the Lord answers Job on what he's talking about when he's questioning if God knows what he's doing or not. 
and listen to Job. And listen to God when he speaks this way. Job, <laughs> where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Do you, are you like me? Do you like to put your name in Scripture sometimes? You know, for God so loved the world. Have you ever said, well, for God so loved Chuck? No, your name's not Chuck, so you didn't do that, did you? You put your name in that. But listen, Chuck, were you here when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, tell me about it. Well, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. If you were there, did you have like a tape measure? Who determined its measure? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Was you holding a plumb bob that day? I didn't see you. God was asking, to what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? You know what? God is allowing Job to hear and what he's allowing me and you to hear. We were not present when God created this world. He did not need me and you to hold the other end of the tape measure. He didn't need me and you to help him figure out how to do it. God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. Not Chuck. Not you. Not Job. Not anybody. But God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Listen, when we get to the place where we doubt what God's doing in our lives, we need to ask the question, where was I when he put this place together? Where was I when he created this place? Oh, and if God was able to create this world, God is able to take care of what you're going through right now. He is able to save you even from your sins today. Aren't you thankful that he has given us the book of Genesis to know the, that the focus of all creation is that God created everything. In the beginning, God. Before the beginning was, God is. Heard a story this week that broke my heart. Lady in our community, been going to church 55 years, asked her pastor, if God created us, who created God? And if you have been part of a church for 55 years and you've not yet discovered that God was, God is, and God will ever be, when will you discover it? And we see today that even in the Bible, in the New Testament, Jesus told his Pharisees in John chapter 8 and verse 58. Listen to what he said. Jesus said to them, most assuredly. <laughs> when Jesus says most assuredly, you got it. Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, listen, I 
So many people tell me today that there is never a place in the Bible where Jesus says he's God. <laughs> you know what that means? The person who tells you that ain't never read the Bible. But he says here, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. And what we see in this is this, Abraham was. He was, he was confined to time. Jesus is I am. He is not confined to time. He has no restriction on time whatsoever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Eternal existence is outside our human understanding. Man, you can't grab hold of it. Our minds are not able to get a hold of that infinite belief and understanding what we have to do is what trust god can you understand that god was never created if you can man i want to have lunch with you i'd like I, I, it'd be awesome for someone to be able to explain me um infant infants infancy <laughs> not infancy i was explaining that i had lunch with two twins yesterday morning you breakfast now, that's what you call enjoying life. Amen. Are they here? Where are they at? I saw them a few minutes ago. But um, we had breakfast with the Arbol twins. We wore out um, down home grill. Amen. We did. We wore them out. But what we, uh, we have no understanding of what it means that God has always been here. We can't grab hold of that. Only thing we can do is just trust God in that. The fact that God exists before the beginning establishes importance in this way. He deserves the most important spot in every area of our lives because He is God Almighty. He is God Creator. And because that He has been and always will be, allows me and you to know that he needs to be the number one priority in our life. Real quick as we go through the days, on day one, he speaks light into existence. On day two, he creates the skies above. On day three, he creates the land and, and whatever grows on it. And he declares, God declares this work is good uh, on day four god created all the stars um, the moon and the stars and, and the sun that we have today and he saw that it was was good and on day five he he created the sea life and and the birds and god said it is good and where we're going to work at today is in day six day six is where it's always gets difficult where he created all the creatures and the cre crawly things and creepy things and and such like that and we wonder good lord um we don't know if mosquitoes come on the flying days or the creature days but we just wish they wouldn't have came you know what i'm saying um and those uh, stuff like that but they but they got here for for some reason but day six is the end of the day before he rests on day seven but day six is always complicated why because of the creation of, of man and animals, man has always tried to remove God from this picture. It really does not bother a lot of people that God created the, 
the sun and the moon and, and, and stuff like that. But when you get down to the point where that God created man, it really, really, people struggle with this. Why? If things just happen by chance over time, if we would have just crawled out of a, a, a nasty mess like a tadpole and got on the land and, and such like that, then there is no creator to worry about. And if you have no creator, you have no accountability. And if you have no accountability, simply this, you can do whatever you want to. You can do whatever you please. So what happens is this. Genesis 1 is difficult. People don't enjoy Genesis 1 because it introduces us to mighty God the Creator. But not only does it introduce us to God the Creator, but it allows us to see that we, His creation, are held accountable to Him, the one who created us. So what happens is this. If we realize that God is the one who created us, then we realize we are held accountable to the God who created us. So we are the, the greatest part of this creation week, the sixth day. This week is completed by the creation of man. Let's read in Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 through 31. Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creature, the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, listen, let us. First time we see um, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Spirit mentioned in us. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it is shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that, that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given you every herb for food. And it was so. Then God said, saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. This week is completed by the end of the week was the completion of man. And we see why we were created. We were created um, to be given dominion 
over the creation that he had just created in days one through five. The Bible says in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over the creeping things that creeps on the earth. And then jump down to verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we are created and give, given dominion over this creation. This creation does not have dominion over us. It is not in charge of us. We are in charge of this world that God has created for us. We are to be stewards, administrators of this place that God has given us. But not only that, we are uniquely blessed and we are un provided for by the creation that God has given us. We see in verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the, the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed you shall be for food. So we see we are uniquely blessed by God because he created us with absolutely everything that we need to survive. To have an abundant life. That's who we are. We have been blessed with the creation that God has given us. He has given us dominion over that creation. And he's provided through that creation everything that we need to live. You know what that means? Man, we're blessed. That's what we have. But not only that, but we are made in the image of God. I've, I've read it three times so far, but I want to read it one more time to you in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The blessing that we have is this. We are made in the image of God. There's a lot that humans and animals have in common. And we were created on the same day, on the sixth day. We both come from the earth. We come from the dust, and we both will return to the dust as our body is. But we are not always exactly like animals. Some of you all look like some of those animals, but you were asleep, so I had to say something. You know what I'm saying? I was leaving. But that's all we have in, in comparison. What do you mean? What's different between us and animals? Why are we different? Listen, the reason that you're different from animals, you and I were made in the image of God. They were not. Absolutely not at all made in the image of God. What does it mean to make us in our image and according to likeness? We are the only created thing that resembles God. We are God's representative. We are God's stewards. We are God's ambassadors here on earth. We are made in his image. The image shows what the original actually looks like. That's what an image is. Today, we have eternal life. Okay, you say, well, well yeah, all believers have eternal life. Amen, that's true. But every creature... Every man, every woman will live forever. I would love to say only ones who are saved will live forever. 
but they'll all live. We will. Either you will spend eternity in heaven with God the Father, with Jesus, in the home that he has prepared, or you'll stay eternity in hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Humans have the likeness of God in that they are eternal. They have body and soul. The body returns to the dust that it was formed, but the soul lives on, and we have that today. But not only that, but we were created within us with intention to experiment, experience and have an intimate relationship with God. No other creation was given the possibility to have an intimate relationship with God Almighty. Even though you love Spot or you love your kitty cat and all those things, and we do, that cat and that dog does not have an eternal soul. And they do not have the possibility to have an intimate relationship with God Almighty. There's a, place, there's a church in Ashland that you can go get your dog baptized in. And I really want to know what that costs because that's something I might be able to get into. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, baptize your dog. I don't know if I want to baptize a cat. Have you ever seen that before? <laughs> I'd charge you extra for that. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, that'd be a little bit more money than baptizing your dog. But those animals, even though we love them and they are a part of our lives, um, uh, my cat um, loves me. Um, when I go home, it's waiting at the door for me. Nobody else knows I'm home, but my cat knows I'm home. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's it. It's always there. Um, but even though I love my little cat, um, it gets on my nerves a lot. Um, but it, it's not going to heaven. It does not have a soul. And I know, I hope I didn't hurt anybody's feelings. Did I hurt your feelings? I hope I didn't. But it doesn't. Because it was not made in the likeness of God. It's not who he is. It's not what, it, what it's there. Does that mean your cat's not going to be in heaven? Honey, if you want your cat to be in heaven, we'll do that. We'll deal with that in heaven. Amen? It, it might not be there, though. Just, just guessing. Um, it may and may not. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But we are intended to have an intimate relationship with God because we have been made in the image of God. We are special above all other creatures because of that. And God made us, listen, God made us male and female. And I'm just going to put a period at the end of that because that's what God did. Amen? And God made us that way. God placed us in authority over the earth and over all the creatures. But listen, God blessed us, and he gave us the commandment to be fruitful and multiply. I remember as a kid, and you know it must have been a good sermon if I remember it when I was just a young boy. But the guy who was a preaching, he was an older gentleman, and he was saying, listen, if you're listening to God, you're going to have more than two kids. And I got up because, you know, I was like, well, what was he talking about here? If you just have one child, then you're not, um, you're not multiplying the earth. You need to have another kid. Um, then he said, if you have two kids, you're not multiplying the earth. You're just filling in your spot. So me and Emma are completely content with just filling in our spot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and if my, my littlest one was my first one, we would have been completely content with just 
one. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we'd have been all right with just that one. That's it. But uh, he said, if you had to have three or more kids to be able to multiply the earth. And at that time, I thought, dude, this guy's wild. <laughs> you know, he's took something and run hard with it. You know what I'm saying? Even as a kid, I figured that out. But what, but what we've been given is this beautiful opportunity to, to multiply the earth. But not only that, but subdue it, to, to bring it in under submission, to be able to be used for the glory of God and to provide for us. So he's given us this beautiful privilege and the blessing that we have to be the stewards of this creation that he's given us. And we realize that his creative work was done when he finished with us. Because we were his greatest creation. In the entire universe, in all of its beauty, in all of its perfection, was fully put together by God Almighty. And at the completion of creation, he said this. It is very good. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, he says, Then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good so the evening and the morning was the sixth day what we know today is because of Genesis chapter 1 we understand that God is creator and he is superior above all he is over all things and that even means me and you because he created us he is the one who created so what I'm asking today is this how big is God and I'm going to ask that question and I want you to notice I said how big is God normally the question would be asked this how big is your God but I'm not asking how big is my God or how big is your God? Because that's confusing us today. Because for some reason, in the last few years, we have discovered, or think we have discovered, that we all have our own gods that we get to create. And, and we get to assign to him whatever value or power he has or does not have. But let me share this with you. That's not a possibility. Well, my God is able to do this. My God is, can't do this. And my God is able. My God's not able. Me and you do not have the, the possibility of assigning um, power to God. We cannot decide if he's able to do something or if he's not able to do something. So my question is this. Not how big is your God. How big do you think God is? But my question is, how big is God? And what happens today is this. Me and you are scared of big things. That's Louisa. That's Fort Gay. I could get up a group today and I'm like, hey guys, let's, I want, let's go to New York City. And every one of you would say, New York City? You know, like the commercial. And I'm like, yeah, let's go to New York City. And 95% of you would say this. Well, I ain't driving. You ever seen that place? Them people are crazy. I ain't no way I'd drive to New York City. Crazy, crazy, let me tell you. They just don't even know. Why? 
We don't like that kind of stuff. When I drive in New York City, I take another blood pressure pill. I do. It's for the love of people in New York City because I'd kill half of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love them too much for, for just regular one pill. Right? We need to calm down in that. But we don't like big things like that. Um, my favorite story of Paul Lobby. Paul took one of his friends from Louisa to Great American Ballpark about 15, 10 years ago, right after it was built. And he had his buddy there, and, and he was setting up about 20 rows up. And his buddy looked over at him, and he said, Paul? He said, yeah. He said, Paul, I bet I don't know half the people here. <laughs> and he was right. I bet he didn't. Me and you don't feel comfortable when we don't know everybody. We like to know people. We like the small town environment. We, we enjoy things, but big things scare us for some reason. Listen, it is fearful. It's scary to imagine how big and how great is our God. Who is able to speak into darkness and bring forth light. Who is able to create the sky and the waters and the dry land and everything that flew around and swam in the waters. He was the one who was able to do all that. And how big and how great, how amazing God is. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 6, for as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. How big is God? There is none like him. There's not anyone close to how big God is, how great he is. Genesis 1.27 So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God is so big that he was able to create me and you. It's amazing. It's beyond our capability of understanding. But listen here. He is big enough to make us. But then in John 3, 16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He's big enough to create this world, this universe, the stars, the moon, the skies, all of those things. He's that great that he could even create me and you. But listen, he's small enough to know your name. To know every, every hair upon your head. And to know every tear that has ever flown out of your eyes. He's small enough to know you. And he still yet, he loves you and me. That's how great is our God. But we began this morning with this four words. In the beginning, God. 
But I want to end today with five words. How great is our God? But I want you to notice, go back to that picture if you don't mind, Teresa. The one before. If you notice, there's no punctuation after God. So there's a possibility there. There are people here today who after that has placed a question mark. They're not saying how great is our God as a statement, but they're going through a place in their life right now where they're questioning how great is God. Is God able to get me through what I'm going through right now? Is God able to save me from my sins? Is he able to forgive me of my sins? They don't know the answer to that at this moment in their life. So they got a question mark of how great God is. Our prayer this morning is that God's Holy Spirit will allow you to erase that question mark. There's people here today who have an ellipsis after God. That's those three dots. Meaning, they really don't, have not yet finished, have not made a decision, is still up in the air. They're trying, they're still watching, trying to figure out how great God is. It's ongoing. They've been questioning it, but now they're sitting back watching, trying to figure out, is God great is he who people say he is so they're searching right now they're looking but then there's people here today who've placed an explanation point after God and it's not a question there is not a doubt in your mind of how great and how mighty is God so the question would be is this where yet are you questioning the power of the Almighty God are you still sitting back and watching and seeing if he would be able to reveal himself to you so that you could see him if he is great as he says he is or have you come to a place in your life where you said, you know what? I ain't a doubt in my mind. If you noticed uh, uh, when he's saying, um, I can't even walk without holding my hand, I, I love that because he gives you like his translation, don't you mean? Um, one of the verse says, I think, what, how's it go? The, I think I will give my life to Jesus. How does it say? Um, he'll have to sing it to us. Huh? I think I'll give my Jesus my all in all. But that's not what Danny said. He said, since 
I gave, huh? Since I made my Jesus my all in all. Man, he just changed it up on us. You know why? Because he ain't thinking. Amen? He ain't, he's got past the question mark. He's got past the ellipsis. He's at the explanation point where he's giving Jesus my all in all. I am so thankful today that me and you have that opportunity to get to an explanation point. Not to wonder if Jesus is great. Not to, hey, show me how great you are. Since I just know how great God is. Where are you at today? You know, well, you're, look, you're looking down on me, preacher, because I'm not where you're at. No, I'm preaching the gospel because someone preached the gospel to me. And there was a time in my life that I had a question mark. There was a time in my life where I had the ellipsis, where I was just, show me, Jesus, show me. But I'm so thankful there's been a time in my life where now I know. I know who Jesus is, and I know how great he is. And what we can do is sing his praises. Today is that day of salvation. I'm so thankful we know who created us. I'm so thankful we know who we're accountable to. And I'm so thankful that he loves us. And next week, he's going to allow us to see what happens when we mess up. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's always providing for us. What we get to do today is put our trust in Jesus Christ. Lord God, I'd ask that you would work in our hearts today. For the one with the question mark and one with ellipsis, Lord, I ask through your Holy Spirit that they would be able to say yes to you today. To know, Lord, you created us without a doubt. Lord, you created us for a purpose, to bring honor and glory to your holy name. Thank you for allowing us to know where we came from. But I'm so thankful you didn't stop there. You allow us to know where we can go. And Lord, we can have eternity in heaven with you. Thank you for loving us so. Lord, we turn this invitation over to you. May each and every one of us respond in your holy name. In Jesus' precious name we do pray. Amen. Let's stand. And this is our time.